Well, again, thanks for being here. I want to just kind of jump right into what we hope to accomplish tonight, what we hope to kind of share with you. Um, we're going to kind of explain things best we can. Our goal is to make it as simple and as succinct as possible. And then while you process all that, I'm sure you'll have some questions. We'll have Travis and RJ come up, and they'll share some other things about the current year we're in, some reporting kind of things about how it's going in some areas. And then when they're done, all the others will come back, and we'll just kind of take some questions and comments, all right? I know we're all here tonight with a humble spirit. We're not experts at this. We just want to lay out before you what we sense God has led in our hearts for about two years. And it's mainly this, that we really want to, in 2020, one of our top initiatives is going to be to really follow hard after a more meaningful membership at First Family. And tonight we want to kind of walk, that, walk you through what that means. Here's what you'll hear unpacked tonight, that really it's the same requirements for membership, but a more meaningful process of membership and clear expectations about membership. So you'll hear that phrase a good bit tonight. The same requirements for membership, but a more meaningful process of membership and clear expectations about membership. And again, our goal is just to see how we can have a more meaningful membership here at First Family. So a couple of bit of background for you, then we'll kind of get into some of the uh, meat, meat, some of the meat of this. About two years ago, this was identified as a top priority by over about 20 of our leadership. They met in what was called Stratop. It's about a two to three day, pretty intensive evaluation of things at First Family. And they were to come up with, um, at the end of that whole time, there was like five items that we really wanted to attack and really see progress in. One of those was this idea of membership. So I won't go through all of the things in those two years, but we had one of our elders kind of lead that team, and so that met with people. There were sub-teams and came back with recommendations. And at the end of that, of that situation, we just sensed really God leading us um, to establish a more meaningful membership process here so that it wasn't as loose as perhaps we had sensed it was. Um, here are the two main things behind that, and then I'm going to have two guys share about that. We felt like within the culture that we're in, locally as well as even globally, there's definitely a decline in genuine, we'd say genuine Christianity, and there's a rise probably in cultural, we might say churchianity. And we just sense God making sure that we weren't afraid, we didn't want to be afraid to just be distinctly God's people. And could a more meaningful membership really help us in that pursuit? And so distinction was one thing that we felt pretty strongly about. We didn't want to water down who we were or what we were about. We wanted to remain really solidly distinctive as God's people. But we also knew in our culture that we wanted to be solidly and robustly protective of our people. Uh, not only the adults and their doctrine, the sheep and what they're eating, but also our children, our kids, in, a, in a, no doubt a predatory society, uh, in, in different things happening in churches where there are just report after report. And granted, they may have always been around, but we're hearing more about them. We just want to make sure that we are doing everything we can. We're diligent about protecting our membership. And so those became two very dis, um, distinct, very big reasons for us. What, what, is, what would it mean to have a, a membership that's more meaningful? By that we say this, that's very distinctive 
and very protective. And we know, we know we can't make it without any holes. We understand that. There's no perfect system. But we do sense that over the last two years, God's been leading us to try to address membership that is more distinctive and more protective. So you're hearing that okay? Is that kind of making sense? So to kind of put some color on those two things, I want to ask Edgar to come and kind of walk us through some things that I think will give you some background to the idea of distinction, to the idea of distinction. And then Chris is going to come and give some background, some color to the idea of protection, how that relates to a more meaningful membership. All right? Edgar? Thank you. Thanks, Todd. So he mentioned, Todd mentioned a couple of things uh, that contribute to significance in membership, uh, and one of them uh, being protection, the other one being distinctiveness. And so I'm going to try to focus on this, this distinctiveness part of it. About 75% of American adults in 2015 characterize themselves as uh, Christians. So I ask you the question, as you mingle around people at work, or as you go shopping, uh, just wherever you are, do you see 75% of the people displaying Christian attributes? Now, the desire of us elders is for our congregation, our membership, to be distinct. Now, a question immediately comes, where does that distinction come from? And I'm going to let John, uh, in John 1, uh, tell us that. And I'll just read from uh, verse 9 through 13. The true light, uh, making reference to Christ, the true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of men, but of God. So I really like this, this particular uh, passage because it mentions... Um, it mentions in three different ways what becoming a Christian is. One is to receive him, and we use that terminology, receive him, uh, believe in him, believe in Jesus, uh, believe in his name, uh, being born of God. We talked about being born, uh, born again. And all of that leading to becoming children of God. So our distinctiveness as Christians, as believers, comes from being born again. And uh, uh, so, the the our spiritual experience uh, then is miraculous. You know, some people say that there are no miracles happening. Every time somebody comes to Christ, it's a miracle. Mm -hmm. All of us will testify to that. <clears throat> and so, uh, our our conversion is truly miraculous. And um, uh, so, we are acted upon by the Holy Spirit. That's how we come. That's how we come to Christ. Um, now, I would, I would like to uh, make reference to um, some, uh, some passages that, uh, that tell us more about how we are uh, set apart. And one of them uh, is from 
First Peter, and you, I'm sure all of you would, would immediately um, recognize that. So this is in First Peter 2. It says, but you are, and, and listen for all of the uh, ways that we are identified as distinct people. Okay? Distinct people. Um, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, mm -hmm. that you may proclaim the excellences of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were a people, or you were not a people, in other words, you were part of the world, um, and um, now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So five different ways in which Peter um, points out our distinctiveness, being a chosen race, royal priesthood, a holy nation, people of his own possession, God's people, and having received mercy. So, but I really like the following verses. Uh, it talks about beloved. I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God in the day of visitation. So just those two words uh, that should characterize us believers, uh, living as sojourners and exiles. This is not, this is not our place. You know, we were born on this earth, but our city is in heaven. And that's, that's uh, uh, where, uh, where our identity uh, should be uh, placed. And we, everything leading to glorifying God. So as uh, people of his own possession, there should be some actions or behaviors that should characterize us. And I'll make reference to other scriptures. The list can be long. I spent some time on this, and it was so exciting. But you can't put it all. Uh, and so... Uh, for instance, in John 13, it says, but by this, all people will know that you are my disciples. If you have, if you do what? Yeah, exactly. If you have love for one another. First Peter says it very similar. Love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Um, in Hebrews, Hebrews is fantastic for this. Let us hold, the, in, in, uh, in chapter 10, let us hold the fast, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider, listen to these things, that behaviors, actions that we as believers should display. Uh, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Uh, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. Later on in the same chapter... But recall the former days when, after you were enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with suffering, sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction, and sometimes being partners with those so treated. For you had compassion on those in prison, and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property, since you knew that you yourselves mm. had a better possession and an abiding one. So listen to those behaviors. People, you know, undoubtedly there were all of these believers, some of them that were, they were being persecuted, some of them were taken and put in prison. 
And the rest of them had to make a decision, what do we do? Do we go and see them or not? Because in those days, and that part of the world, as it happens in other parts of the world today, there wouldn't be food for them, you know, unless so, the relatives or somebody that knew them brought it to them. So they decided to go and in so doing, they identified themselves with them. And in so doing, they had their property destroyed, whether the government did it or whether other Jews, um, but they, you know, the sacrifice that follows the price that is paid, as uh, Todd was mentioning this morning. So uh, another one is in Colossians. I'm probably taking too much time. I'm going to skip that one. Um, <laughs> but, but this... Not the only one. So I'll that. just... Uh, Colossians is a beautiful book. Uh, I always find things in there. Uh, I'll just say the last one. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. You know, that we are, as believers ought to bear much fruit and so prove to be his disciples. So there is a number of things uh, that, uh, that make us distinct. And, uh, you know, another distinction among the family of, in the church, the membership of the church, is the fact that we are led by people that care for the souls uh, of mm -hmm. all of the members. Um, Hebrews 13 says, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. So that's, I thought that's another aspect of membership that is distinct. Uh, the leadership is carried out by those who care for the people's soul, what other organization will do that? And we always say, you know, the church is not an organization, it's an organism. Uh, but in, in addition to that, they are subjected to the chief shepherd. So that is, I think, very, very important. And so we, the elders, uh, just believe that there is a lot of value in the distinctiveness uh, as church members uh, realizing totally that our distinction comes from God, from our uh, being set apart. It's Holy Spirit created, but it is supported and it is strengthened by the, uh, by the community that is experienced in membership with leaders that care for your soul, but they do it so with great recognition that we are under the chief shepherd. Thank you, Edgar. <clears throat> so I'm gonna talk a little bit about the protection aspect of uh, membership. And this is a, a topic that is, um, it's a rapidly moving aspect of the culture in which we live. So I think most of us have um, lived much of our adult life in an uh, understanding that we are to be in the world, but not of the world, right? We are to be in the world, but not of the world. And I think what we've seen in the last few years is that for where our culture is today, that's no longer good enough. You can't just say we're in the world, but not of the world. They want you to bake the cake to prove that you're part of that world. They want you to understand that you cannot any longer step back and say, hey, you live your life the way you want to live your life. We'll live our lives the way we feel called to live our lives. 
And that's good. We can all be Americans and live with that understanding. That is no longer an acceptable thing. It's not just if you go back to um, June 2015, yeah. which is not that long ago, that was the Oberbefall um, decision by the Supreme Court that um, legalized same-sex unions. And if you'll remember in the years leading up to that, what was the thing that everybody said? Hey, if these two adults love one another, why should we stand in the way of them living happily as a, as a married couple? That was the argument that we were, we were held with. And the church has drawn a line in, in that and said, no, God's word prohibits us from doing that. But what we've seen since that date, June of 2015, is that now it's like it threw open the floodgates. So that if you're a five-year-old child and you're asked the question, how many genders are there? You can no longer say two. It's a spectrum. There's a spectrum. We can no longer even make a claim that there are only male and female and that God created us in his image. So all of this to say that our culture is rapidly spiraling in a direction that's just out like right craziness, right? And so as a church, we need to be able to have open arms to folks who want to come into our church. We don't have moral cops that stand at the door and check off everything because we know we all come in as sinners, right? Every one of us enter in. We got our own baggage. We've got the problems that we carry around as our own sin nature. But when we come in, we rest completely in our faith in Jesus Christ. And as a church, we want to have open arms, but at the same time, we want to be distinct from the world. And we want to be able to say that if you are a member of First Family Church, you believe in these doctrinal standards that we hold high, that are based on Scripture. And where this then becomes uh, kind of a, a really important area, again, is when we look at how we are going to lead our church through serving. So it's important for us to have these clear distinctives so that when... Someone comes into our church, we get to know them, we get to understand them, and we know where they're coming from so that when we place them in our children's ministry and we say, here, you have the privilege of te teaching our children, we have confidence that we know what, what they're going to be teaching and that they're coming in with the right doctrinal beliefs because they have been through a process that helps them understand where we are as a church and we get to know where they are as a church. This is a part of um, protection that we really need to be much more serious about today than we were even five years ago. Mm -hmm. And in terms Amen. of yep. understanding who we are and having that clearly defined, we're mm -hmm. seeing that more and more there's, there's efforts to try and, and legally go after organizations that stand in opposition to the spirit of the age. You're hearing even presidential candidates saying, if I'm elected president, I'll do away with religious exemptions because they're discriminatory in nature. And so this is a, a, a day when we can no longer just say, look, you live your life the way you want to live your life. We're going to live our lives the way we feel God has called us to. We have to be sure that we have clearly outlined in ways that will be easily understood who we are as a people of God. And what we believe, because what the courts have shown um, so far is that if an organization, whether it's a church 
or a Christian camp or a Christian school, if they have clearly defined policies and, and boundaries that they have agreed upon ahead of time, the courts have held those up. But where it gets um, dicey is when it looks like you're specifically making up things to, to stop a specific individual. Does that make sense? So you can't have a couple come into your church and then you say, whoa, we, we can't have a same-sex couple teaching in our children's ministry. But if we already have a previously defined policy in place and we say, here are the standards that we uphold as a church, if you want the privilege, and I keep underscoring that because this is really the mindset when it comes to serving and teaching. Working with, with our children, working with our youth is a privilege. It's not a right. It's not something that you can walk in the door and just say, here I am, I want to work with your kids. No, we want, we want to make sure we know who you are. We want to make sure that we have a good understanding before we give you the privilege of coming in and working with our children. And membership is an excellent way of us beginning to tighten up those, those boundaries and giving better perspective of who people are and they can know who we are. And then we have a, a relationship that we can build from as opposed to more of an open door process where anybody who enters in raises their hand. Now they're part of our serving team. So those are kind of the two aspects of membership that we're really looking at. It's the... It's the cultural aspect of being able to identify our distinctives and clearly put those in writing so the people who come in and want to be a part of our church know what we're about. And the other is when it comes to serving and working in our ministries, it's being able to know and have a relationship with people before we give them the privilege of saying, please teach and work in our kids' ministry. So. Thanks, Edgar, and thanks, Chris. Um, so our hearts have always been for distinction and protection since day one, always. But I will admit this to you. Our processes haven't always been completely consistent. I would say they've been more casual and informal, and I think that worked well for a church plant, church of 100 we were growing rapidly in those early years. We were trying to keep up with our growth. And so there was just some, like, they want to join great, and we'd hear their conversion story. We'd ask them, are you committed to, to being discipled and committed to unity? Yes, okay, we'll sign you up. And sometimes we'd forget to put them in the database. Other times we wouldn't. And so years of that, you kind of start realizing there's, there's got to be a little, there's got to be a better way to still maintain a heart of distinction and protection. Does that make sense? So I want you to know what you're hearing isn't new requirements for membership. It's a clearer process of membership. More accountable, uh, more consistent, and clear expectations about membership. That's where we started when we began. That's what we're going to be talking about. So that's what you're hearing. Our hearts haven't just stumbled across distinction and protection. <laughs> but we will admit to you that we want to, in this culture, and things change. We have to be able to adapt and say, hey, what, how can we be better elders in light of the current situation, protect and be distinct? And we've realized we can be better at membership than we were. Now, I want to say something to you very transparently. I probably, among the elders, may hold, and I want to use the word that Chris uses. I don't really like the word, but I, it's just the best word to use. I probably hold the loosest view of membership among our elders. And yet I think I've learned a lot in the last two years, like, you know what, they're exactly right. 
there's a better way to go about this. There's a more accountable, consistent, protective, and distinctive way to go about this. And I really appreciate the way they've kind of they've brought me along. Not in changing the requirements for membership, but in how we go about that and what we expect from them. And not being ashamed to say, we really think being a member is a very good idea. And you know, we haven't done, I should say, I haven't done real great at that. I've seen it more like, yeah, join, it'd be great, but, and I just want to be honest with you and say, I, I really, um, I may not have adjusted my theology of membership necessarily, but the practicalology, is that a word, of membership, I needed to grow in that. And realize that because of our culture and where we are now, 15 years from starting, we need to have a greater, consistent understanding of what ex- what's expected to be a member and a believer in a distinct body of Christ. And how then does that affect who is privileged to serve here? And it's not just children and youth. It's adults. I mean, if, to serve the body of Christ is a privilege, isn't it? No matter where you're plugged in. And we just don't want that to be just run-of-the-mill, like, well, you're breathing today, you can serve. And so I appreciate our elders' work with me and just saying, hey, we can get to this place. And so I hope you'll join me in this journey of realizing this is a needed moment to be much more consistent in how we exhibit our distinction and our protection. So that brings me to the next point, which is what is the process then for clearer expectations? What does that look like? What you're going to find, as Travis explains this, is basically you're going to hear that we're going to move more from, from, from more informal and casual to more formal and accountable. You're going to hear that. And we want you to know that up front. We think it will be a very good and healthy force. You're also going to see that the expectations for members are going to move more from kind of unwritten to actually some written things where you'll know exactly what you are committing to in doctrine, in belief, uh, in expectations, you'll see those written out. There'll be nothing hidden. So that when we encourage you to join this distinct family, you are actually knowing, I'm, I'm part of a body that believes this, that expects this, that's not ashamed of this, uh, and that will hold me to this. That we think that'll be healthy for us. Again, it's not that we've ever tried not to do that, but I think perhaps it's just not been as formalized and perhaps not written. And we think it's high time for your protection and our distinction to write that down and to be much more completely consistent in how we go about the process of membership. So, Travis, would you come and to walk us through how that looks for current members and uh, then for those who aren't members. Right? Absolutely. Thank you. It was fun. Uh, We had membership class this morning, so we were working on this and discussing this a little bit. Hopefully, none of this is brand new, shocking news to you. Uh, This is things that we've been working on and continue to refine uh, over the years. And so, as hopefully, you've been hearing more about membership class in the last couple of years. Chris has been leading this, and now I've been able to take this over and walk people through this in order to do exactly that, make the process more meaningful. And so I want to kind of explain how that'll look, uh, because in this room right now, we have many of you probably are members, and then we have some in this room that currently are not members. So kind of what do we do with that? How do we handle uh, those two situations? According to our uh, database, we have around 660 regular attending adults. So 18 years and older, 660. Right around two-thirds of them are currently members at First Family Church, and right around one-third of them are not members. They're regular attenders. Does that make sense? So we've kind of got two groups of people and how we've got to deal with that. So we've got two different processes. 
in order to help make meaning, uh, membership more meaningful in both aspects. So if you're in this room and you're currently not a member, uh, you're a regular attender, let me kind of walk you through that real quick. Uh, yeah, over a year ago, we started a membership uh, class which helps you find out about the church, more of our theology, doctrine, and then what membership is, what it means, the commitments you make. And so we want to continue that class and re require that class in order to be a member. In the past, it was a conversation with an elder, share your testimony, uh, make a few verbal commitments, and that was great. Really appreciate that, and that was helpful, but I think we need to slow that process down a little bit in order to get to know people. I got to spend about an hour and a half uh, with nine folks this morning in membership class. One of the big pieces of that is to build a relationship in order to get to know them and to slow that process down. So we're going to make that membership class a two-week class. The first week of that class is to explain membership to them, what our, who our church is, what we believe, uh, work through what membership looks like, why we hold to membership, um, and walk them through our commitments. What We talked about this morning. What do FFCers do? What does that look like? What does that mean? And then the second week of that class will be the commitments. We'll work them, walk them through the commitments. What are we agreeing to? And then take that time of listening to their testimonies. We believe in saved church membership. It takes a little bit of time to be able to, as the elders approve and affirm, the conversion or the, the, the salvation of the individuals in front of us. So next week we'll be doing that with our folks and having them share their testimony with us, help them walk us through what they believe about Christ and that they've been forgiven, that his death was their substitution on the cross for their sins. And we're going to take that time next week to walk them through that in order to just slow that process down. Like Todd said, the requirements are not changing. There's not new check marks or new agreements or new things they've got to uh, say to us but just to take that time and slow it down. And so we've made our church membership application just a little bit meatier, um, a few more uh, pieces of information that we want to get to know about them. In the middle, so the front is just their personal information. In the middle, like Todd said and Edgar said, is who we are, what we believe. The three commitments are in here, the three R's of membership at First Family, redeemed, in a relationship, and responsible. And we'll walk them through that. And then the rest of the information is FFC's core beliefs, what we believe theologically about Christ, his word, his church, and we'll walk them through that. Um, and then on the back, we'll take time for them to share their conversion story with us. In a nutshell, they'll just kind of give us some details, where they were, who shared the gospel with them, why that day, um, what made sense, um, kind of give us that in a nutshell. And then we have them sit down with church leaders and kind of walk us through a more detailed version of their story, of their testimony. If you ask somebody to share your testimony with me, it's not a five-line uh, paragraph. It's a 15-minute, half-hour story. And so we want that as well. And so we'll do that next week with them. And then there are a few check marks, a few things that they'll make a commitment to us. Uh, membership is a gift and a responsibility. Because I'm a member of the body of Christ, I will strive to be a healthy, growing, functional member. I will seek to be a source of union in my church, and I have read and affirmed the FFC core beliefs and will support them whenever I teach or lead others at FFC. And so they'll just give us a few check marks. In the past, it's been a verbal commitment. Now it'll be a written uh, checked uh, box, letting us know that we had that conversation. And like Todd said, there's a paper trail now, and there's background, and we can update the database just so we can acknowledge that those conversations took place. So for those of you in this room that are not currently members, 
that's our process for you, and we'd love for you to join us. So that's about 250 folks who we would love to join us as members of First Family Church. Go through that two-week process. Just take that time, slow down, be known, be loved, be Amen. cared for. Amen. Hear what that looks like to be in community, to serve, and to understand our core doctrine and theology. So that's for those of you in this room that are not currently members. Now for the two-thirds of you in this room that are currently members, uh, we will simplify the process, but we still want to make it meaningful. So we're not throwing away your membership. Like, I've been a member since day one. You're just trashing that? No. But we do want to take our time and slow down and make sure we're clear. We don't want to to say, I had a conversation with Chris in the gym seven years ago. I'm good, and we don't know you, and you don't know who we are and what we believe. So we do want to take our time in that process as well. So this will be a church membership affirmation. So if you're currently in our database as a member, we do want you to kind of go through the process, a much abbreviated version of it, but still walk through the things that are super meaningful and important to us. So again, we'll ask you for your information, um, find out a little bit more about you. On the back, again, we have your conversion in a nutshell. Just give us, your, just give us a few basic details about where you were, who sh- shared the gospel with you. Again, we believe in saved church membership. We want to be able to affirm that. We've got those check boxes on the back of what the three commitments that you're making to us. We call them the three R's. We want you to commit to those to us. Um, And then I've read and affirmed the FFC core beliefs and support them whenever I teach or lead others at FFC. And we will be making those core belief uh, statements. That's the middle two pages of this. We'll be making those available to you. You can have them and look through them and take them home and read through them and work through them. And you can take your time on that. We're not making you just... Check a few boxes right in front of us and call today. Without, we don't want ignorance. We don't want that at all. We want you to know who we are and what we believe. So we'll give you time and we can discuss that. And even if you are a member, you're more than welcome to come to our membership class and sit through. We'd love to have you. It'd be a great time to get to know you a little bit more and, and to hear the story. So that's kind of our process. Again, nothing's changing but a more meaningful process. I really appreciate that. It'll be great for us to slow down, take our time, and articulate once again Uh, the two things you just heard. We want to be protective and uh, distinctive, and I think that'll be really helpful. So that's that's how the process will change moving moving forward. Stay up there for a minute, Travis. Yeah. So let's just talk for a minute about the the membership affirmation for a second, okay? Mm -hmm. That process, there's not really an interview necessarily with a current member and an elder, though. No. Okay. Yep. You want to expand on that a little bit? I think you do, don't you? Yep. Yeah, I thought so. (laughs) That's good. So what we'll do is we'll make these available for you. We'll have a table out there or somewhere like that, and we'll have these for you to pick up and take home with you. That's kind of our goal is for you to take your time. So grab this, take it home, read through it. Our elders will always be available to you to walk you through it, discuss it. We'll have the core uh, beliefs available as well that you can take those home. And if you want a discussion, if you want to talk Mm. through those, we're absolutely available to you. But again, we don't want to... um, um, demean you for, for right. what your membership has been in the past here. We know the vast majority of you, you're committed, um, you love this church, you're dedicated to this church, you've been supporting this church since day one. We, we don't want to be demeaning of that either. And so we, you, many of you know this church way better than I do. And so we understand that as well. So take your time, let us discuss that with you, walk you through it. Uh, but w- when you're ready to continue on, you can submit this to us. On the bottom of the affirmation is a few just informations for the elders that we have to sign off, that we had that 
discussion with you or you handed it in. We've read through your conversion. We've seen your check marks. And if there's a box that's not checked or something like that, that means we need to have a conversation with you. We need to follow up. And so that will be what that affirmation looks like. Yeah, great. So hear that well. This is really very protective of your pastors. Let me explain to you why. And Travis made a good point in saying this. There's so many of you here that are members because I talked to you or one of our pastors talked to you. And we said, hey, great. Don't leave yet. Oh, I might have another question for you. No, you're good. So close. And so I would say to you this. Great. You know what? I loved your testimony. I know you said yes to unity and yes to um, growing. And those are the R's in there. I'll tell the office tomorrow that you're joining next Sunday. I introduce you. And you say great. And we go off. And really, the truth is, you're just banking on your memory and my memory, which is not a good bank. So don't, I like what he said. This is not like a, a weird thing. We're not trying to have an interview to see if you pass. We just would like some affirmation on the things you've already agreed to. And if you remember the dates, we'd love to have that on there because here's why. We've made two database transitions in the last probably 10 years. And we suspect there are some people in there that were members that in the transition process, digitally or electronically, they didn't get transferred correctly. So when you leave tonight, there will be a, some tables out there, and Molly will be out there, and RJ, and everybody's name who's a member or regular attender will be out there. And beside your name will be member or regular attender. And you may think, I know I'm a member. And if you're listed as regular attender, we just take you, I mean, I don't know. It's just a memory thing, you know what I'm saying? Like, you may say, Todd, I sat with you, or I sat with Brad or somebody, and we... I believe you. This affirmation is a way to help us stop that from happening. That makes sense? That's all we're asking. Just help us be more consistent and a little more formalized in a church our size to give more meaning to the day you joined and said, I'm part of this local body, unashamedly, unapologetically, I'm part of this. So that's what we're after. I appreciate that. So it's an affirmation form. Take it with you. Um, anything else you want to add to that? I don't have any more questions, actually. I don't. I think I'm good. Good. We'll take some from the group in a few minutes. But Travis, thank you so much. Let me give you the timeline on that, and then I'll let RJ and Travis come back with a few updates while you think of questions if you have any. Between now and the end of the year, uh, our elders will be visiting your small groups, and they'll be hearing about this from you, answering questions in your small groups, more one-on-one, one-on-four, one-on-eight, uh, getting your feedback. Uh, we'll, we'll do that even one-on-one. You can email us just... Um, that's what between now and the end of the year, we want to hear from you on this fireside chat. Hey, what are your thoughts? Let's work together on this. Beginning January 1st up through September will be um, the ideal window for member affirmation. You've got like nine months, okay? We can get that done. And you can start earlier if you want, but we're just going to say January 1 to September 13th, I think it is. Let's just affirm what we've already agreed to. Nothing's changed about being a member, the requirements, but just the process of it. We want to be able to have better protection. Hey, I did join. You know it. I know it. Here's how it says it. Now we're in. It's clear. Beginning in September, here's why we chose that date. Beginning next fall, we are going to require membership for a number of service aspects in order to help us be more protective. Does that make sense? And so we feel like that's a very good thing. So there's some distinctives happening. We want to be able to know and have some accountability, and then as people start serving next fall, we want to be able to say, yeah, like Chris said, we've, we've gotten to know them, we've slowed it down, we hear their story, we know they're born again, the best we can tell. And, and so that begins next fall. Now, did you get a copy of that when you came in? The areas? Okay, they're going to pass that out. Okay, can I have one of those, Travis, real quick? You want to take this home with you. This is beginning next fall, and this is clear 
uh, expectations about membership. So there are some areas that you'll be able to serve that will not require membership. That still is true. But in all honesty, there are more that are going to require membership at First Family. We feel like this is not a perfect system. We'll admit that to you. You can find holes in it without a doubt. But we do sense in our culture a need to be more protective and to be more bold about who gets the privilege to serve. We just want to be that way. We've not written this down well in the past, have we, Chris? It's kind of, you're not sure where to find the information. And we want to settle that. We do. And so here are your FFC ministries that in the fall of 2020, where membership will be required, and here's the ones where it's not. You'll notice there's a couple of broad categories, okay? Membership's required for lead areas, and membership's not required for serve areas. This is not necessarily means that there's a pecking order in a weird sense. Please don't hear it that way. Our hearts, honestly tonight, we're just trying to be humble before you and explain that distinction and protection are things God's really laid upon our hearts. And this is one of the ways that we feel we can bring better protection to those who are in our children's ministries, our youth ministries, our small group ministries, different areas where when there are leaders who interact with people or teach people or lead teams, we want to know that they've seen our doctrine, have said, I'm in. Like, I believe. I, I know what this church expects. I know what they teach. And I'm not going to teach something different. I'm not going to lead in a different fashion. And we want that to be relied upon, not just because we have a memory of eight years ago and yours is different than mine. We want to have a way to, to, to honestly and credibly say, no, so we did agree to this. And so you see that there. There's a few notes you'll want to notice there. This is not the only vetting process. Ministries also have their own vetting processes. Becky and her team have a great vetting process, by the way. So just because you're a member doesn't mean that you're good to go in every way. You'll still be, have background checks for certain uh, ministries. In fact, um, maybe almost all ministries will have a background check before long. Okay, It's just one of the basic places to start. But there's all kinds of vetting processes for various teams. So this does not exclude those. This would be the place where you're going to start. Also, you may be serving, let's say, on the cafe team, but if you're leading the cafe team, that, that would be what we'd call a service team leader. We'd want you to be a member because you're leading people. So just keep all that in mind, all right? Um, there's notes there about um, youth and children who are serving, how they can continue to serve. And so just be aware of that. Um, yeah, so this brings some good, I think, clarity and further accountability. It is different, and there will be more ministries that, where membership will be required. I'm just going to just get that out there so you'll hear it. We feel like it's necessary and it's time, all right? I hope you'll hear that well and humbly and that you'll follow just well. Um, doesn't mean we're not open to your feedback and input. We want to have big years. But at the same time, uh, we, we really do sense the Holy Spirit has been nudging us more and more towards greater distinction and greater protection. This is part of that effort. It's not a perfect system. It's not the inspired version, okay? It's a few men who are trying to follow the Lord and we're asking you to follow Him with us. And so that's, keep that before you. Um, so that's generally the information tonight. That's going to be one of our major 2020 initiatives to enable all of our, our current members to affirm that they, yes, we're in. We're with this. We're, we're, we're on board. Those who aren't members to be able to get into a class and be members so that by 2020 of the fall, we are actually seeing in visible concrete ways greater distinction among our body and greater protection for our body. 
Okay? We think church membership is a viable, good way to see that uh, take place. I want to especially thank Ed Gregory. Ed was the one two years ago who, as an elder, led that team from those 20 leaders. He was the strat-up leader for that part. And so uh, the other four have been done. Ed's team was the one who uh, took the longest and by design to, to look through this really well, and they're wrapping this up. So as of tonight, hopefully this is the last of the five to get done. But thank you for your leadership in that team and all that happened. Can we thank Ed for his work on this? Amen. Thank you. Well, you're probably going to have some questions. You've got a lot on your mind as far as what you've heard. I'm sure there's all kinds of thoughts. And we want to hear those best we can tonight. So as you're processing that, Travis and RJ come to share some things from this year that aren't about this topic. And then I'll come and with our elders, we'll MC a few minutes of questions, okay? Thanks, Todd. Um, so yeah, uh, one of the things uh, as we end 2019 and we look to 2020 that we want to do uh, going forward is starting in January 2020, we want to make sure that we communicate uh, from the leadership here at First Family to you some key metrics or statistics uh, that we'll be able to show going forward in 2020. Um, some of those things you guys might think right away, okay, we're going to talk about attendance, we're going to talk about offering, right? Because that's typically what we talk about when we're thinking of metrics and stats, right? We want to go a little bit deeper than that, though, because it's a lot more important than just that here at First Family to our leadership team. So as you guys think through, like, our attendance, yes, our attendance is going up. You guys see on Sunday mornings when you show for service, it's a little bit harder to find a seat now, right? Things are getting a little bit more crowded. As far as offering goes, uh, we had our best offering last week that we've had the entire year. We're tracking really well uh, with our offering and really well with our expenses, but that doesn't tell the whole story. So we also want, me and Travis want to share some things with you. Like, um, for instance, in case you guys are not keeping like a running tally at home, did you guys know there's been 18 baptisms this year at First Family? Um, on top of that, we've had 26 salvations this year. Yeah. Yeah, exactly, right? Those are great things. Um, a couple weeks ago, you guys got a handout that showed our serving needs in our ministries here at First Family. Now, that had a current and ideal um, number for people to be in our ministries. As I was adding that up, I noticed that currently we have 445 spots in our ministries at First Family that are being filled. That's pretty fantastic. Now, the things we're asking for, for people to jump in and, and get a little bit uh, more involved... Um, we're not necessarily asking you to do more. We're looking for people that are maybe not serving right now uh, to jump in and start helping. And over the last couple of weeks, since development week, we've had over two dozen uh, people come and start to volunteer in our ministries. Amen. We've had people doing shadowing uh, opportunities with us. I think everybody saw a couple of weeks ago during development week on the platform here with our worship team. Uh, Taylor, at, you know, in his late 20s, was probably 10 years older than everybody else that was on the stage with us, right? Um, that's fantastic. But you guys saw that, but what you didn't see was back in the sound booth, uh, we had some other people back there that were learning some things. We had people in classrooms. We had, we had people at the doors and, and working in other areas that maybe aren't so, aren't, aren't so well known or, or seen that were still getting involved and helping out. So that's been fantastic to see those things. And Trav has a few other uh, stats he wants to share. Currently, 376 unique uh, names 
of people who are registered to small groups. So we're at just under 400 uh, individuals who are in small groups in our church. And as of today, we have 32 small groups in mm. our church. Uh, last month, that was 28. And so we've in the last, in, in the month of November, we have four new small groups that have started. We're currently in conversations with four more small groups that should be starting very soon, Amen. even if not this week. Uh, and then hopefully by January, I know of three or four more that will be launching Amen. as well. So our goal is 40 with 400 unique names in small groups. And so that's our goal, and we're making progress towards that. And so those are some of the numbers that we want to boast in and be excited about and, and share with you I'm as boasting. well, instead of always being about just attendance and finances. Those are those are those celebrate the gospel, grow in community, serve the mission numbers that we want to celebrate Amen. regularly with you guys as well. Yeah, absolutely. So going into 2020, what I want you guys to be looking out for is in your worship bulletin um, and in uh, monthly emails, we're going to start to share some of this stuff with you guys on a more consistent basis. And what we're going to we're going to develop a first family church dashboard, and that's one way we're going to be able to show you guys these numbers that we're talking about up here. So. With that, Todd. Yeah, great. Good work, guys. Thank you so much. I love working with these guys and just great quality staff we have as well as elders and deacons. It's so good to sit down there with Julie and listen to you guys talk about how God's led you and how he's gifted you. I really appreciate that. It's less work for me. Thank you very much. <laughs> just laugh a little bit before the Q&A, right? <laughs> elders, will you join me for a little bit? All of our elders here. Oh, yeah, we've got two mics here. I'll give one to RJ and maybe... Um, Jake, can you take the other one? Just be ready to, um, for any questions or comments. They don't have to be just about this main initiative in regards to more meaningful membership. It could be about something else, but uh, I just ask that you take the same approach we have. Just be humble. Just be honest and feel like it's something you need to ask. And we want to hear, hear that input we should hear. We want to listen to that as well. Um, so we just want to be open and, and take some time to hear questions about this and make sure you leave with as much clarity as possible, okay? So, yeah, let's just start. Uh, questions or comments? Ben. And I'll kind of emcee this and, and then appoint the questions to the elders as the Spirit leads. Can we look into that? Okay, let's uh, see if we can make that happen. I don't know, but do you want to address that, Travis? Testing, test. The white mic. Oh! What I just said to you here was really brilliant, so uh, sorry, I missed it. Uh, we've had conversations with Tanner's kind of our communications guy, so he knows that's something we would like to do. Uh, it's above me, but uh, I know we're having conversations about that. Okay. So we want to make it as simple as possible. I just don't know how. Good. Thank you, Ben. So I would what take was, that as a... What was the question? The question was, can we make the church membership affirmation digital? Can we just make that an online thing? And the answer is, that's our goal. Great. Other questions or comments over there? Is that... I sure. Blue mic. Blue mic. Hello, testing. There. 
I sure appreciate all of the work put into this. Just wanted to ask, has this all been vetted through legal counsel, especially as it relates to terms of church discipline, so that when we agree to church membership, we understand potentially what we're getting into as it relates to church discipline that might become uh, lawsuits in the future? Chris, you may be best to handle that. So we have protected today, who knows what a judge is going to say tomorrow. So we're trying to put ourselves in the best p position we can and um, with an eye towards the future, but realize that that's a very rapidly moving ball that we're trying to swing at there. Does that answer your question, Ted? It sure does. We can over-legalize anything, but the concern I think would be, as we know right now, what would our church discipline uh, policy be? And so that for the current members that might have to re-up, that they would have a clear understanding of what that really means for church discipline as it relates uh, to us now as a body. So let me address that. Our current bylaws is what our current members would be under. So I'd encourage you, you can read our bylaws on our website. You can see us. We'll find a copy. We can have it emailed to you. That's what we're currently in place. I want you to know, and Ed may can speak to this when I'm done. We are reviewing all of those, uh, all of those church discipline points in our bylaws to make sure that they are, first of all, actually biblical. We think they are, but sometimes you read things through filters and lenses 20 years ago and, and you realize maybe we missed something. You know, we're not perfect, right? So we've committed to ourselves. Let's review. Let's look and see, is this the best way to go about church discipline? And so that's in process. And when those are, if they are changed, we will bring those to you. We can't change that without a vote of the congregation. And so you'll see those. But at this point, currently, you'll be under the current bylaws. Ed, would you want to address anything else about that? Uh, just, uh, just to say that uh, clarity for all members is an important uh, value in this whole process. In other words, nothing hidden. So that you yeah. understand what you belong to, you understand what we believe, you understand our processes and those kinds of things. Some of those are already available online, and if you haven't taken time to uh, read those, it might be a case in point of what we talked about earlier. You joined, but never really understood the full scope of what membership is about. And a part of this process, we can't put everything on these shorter documents, but a part of this process is to encourage people to know, to want to know uh, what we believe, to know what you joined and what the expectations are. And that information, Amen. most of it's available somewhere, and so we want to be sure and answer or, or make it clear so that you know how to find that information. And Travis, in your class, I believe for new members who want to be members, you actually don't just review the core doctrines. You go over the bylaws, you hand the copies of all these things out. Okay, good. Does that help, Ted? I'm going to ask each of you, did we answer your questions? I don't want you to think you're at a political debate. I want to actually answer the question. <laughs> Who's next? Mark. I really appreciate what Chris had to say about um, having individual issues come up, and, and we're just dealing with you because you're you. Um, some of the people that we're 
sharing Christ with and trying to invite to church have questions about what our church, um, and that's how they phrase it, what does your church believe about this? And in a world of people accepting Christ as Savior, accepting Christ as Son of God, but not accepting Christ as Lord, and the authority of his word, sorry, We have specific issues now of people coming, and, and you already mentioned it, a, a same-sex people dealing with our children and all that. Is there going to be a place where the church says, this is how Scripture stands, and this is how this church proceeds? Because I can see people saying, well, I want to attend your church, and I want Jesus as my Savior, and I, want to, I, I, I share Christ as Savior. Christ is Savior, but Christ is Savior, and Christ is Lord. And, and how does the church deal with that? So, I'm not sure if there's a question in there or not, uh, but we do have some position papers on our website on certain issues. We don't have all the issues covered, but we will as a church commit to you without any hesitation that we will take clear stands on issues as the Bible teaches them. So yes, we, and we want to, I think that's part of this class, is if they have a question, ask it, we'll let you know exactly where we think the Bible lands on this, and we have, that's where we land. I don't know if that's what you're asking, but there are a few papers, but we've not covered every topic. Well, I, I know that specific topic of, of that and where some churches have recently been sued over that mm. because you said I can't be a member or I was a member and only because I have this. We have, we have family members of our own, uh, as I'm sure many in here have, and, and we have uh, close friends who have chosen this way to live and now are, are wreaking havoc in their churches and because the church hasn't taken a stand in advance, and now we're dealing with, with them, as Chris said, seemingly as individuals rather than as, a, as, as we've seen scriptures speak of all along. Yeah. So our marriage paper is on the, on the website. You can check that out, it, where it lists our views on all that stuff. I'd remind you that anyone in this whole city could attend our church. Use the word attend. We want people to attend like crazy, okay? I'm not going to lie to you. It's in regards to joining and membership that you're right, Mark. We want there to be clarity, as Ed said. Great. We're glad you've been attending. To join, here's what we want you to know is true about this local family of believers without apology and without any shame. Does that make sense? But as far as attending, man, the, Chris, I like what you said, man, our doors are open for people to hear the gospel. Because who knows what God could do in one moment when the gospel penetrates a heart. Amen. So it's the membership thing we're trying to make sure we adequately and properly bring distinction and protection to. So, that help, Mark? Are we? Yes. Okay. It's, it's, it's helpful. I didn't know those papers existed. I okay. So it, it's helpful for me to be able to say, you know, in, in, in sharing Christ with someone, to be able to say, you know, I would love for you to go to this place and see. And maybe this is or is not the church for you. Mm. Jesus is for everyone. <laughs> Amen. Uh, yeah. Good point. I, I didn't know that existed, and I appreciate that. And Tanner can give you more direction, but I think you go to our website. You'll click under resources, possibly, and then under there will be a link for position papers. Am I close, Tanner? I think so. <laughs> but you click on resources, you'll find them. Good. Next question. Don. How are you? So, I, Hi. Uh, I know, I know. So I've always enjoyed speaking with you. I just wanted to say um, my question would be on the procedural side for the going through the affirmations or going through the classes. Um, 
man, good job just standing up and telling us things. Thank you so much for doing that. Um, so at work, when we deal with these situations, we say this piece of equipment could possibly break. We need to start preparing for this. Normally within about three weeks, the system breaks. And then we go into emergency mode and we're trying to fix equipment. We're trying to do things. So my question to you would be, as a person that's going to need to be going through the membership class, um, as you find that this kind of goes forward, what's your kind of, do you guys have a system or an idea in place of how to accelerate that process? Um, or, and then how would you communicate that equitably to people? That's a class question probably, Travis. Yeah, being that it's two weeks, it makes it a little bit difficult with vacations, and so we've kind of wrestled with that and discussed that. So we have the new database allows these workflows that allow you to track who's been through class one, who still needs to go through class two, which will be a real big blessing to us. We've discussed that as well. There's always um, specific circumstances, even like a shut-in or something. You know, like there's always specific um, um, ex exceptions that we're going to have to be able to do. And so us as elders have just discussed that yeah, we'll do what it takes. If, if somebody needs a one-on-one -on -one conversation or if we need to meet with somebody outside or if they're, we're willing to do what it takes in order to get people through the process. We do like the class format. I think it's very helpful. One person will ask a question. The rest of the class can hear that question. We can have a conversation and a discussion about it. So primarily we'd like the class to work its way through the system. We do have nine months, almost a year to get people through the class, and that's our goal. We've talked about offering the class way more frequently in order to help people, especially this year. Uh, so right now we offer it about every other month uh, during this next nine months to a year. We're gonna offer it a lot more often during both services. All the elders have promised they'd help me lead that class and, and get people through that class, uh, but, but we'll, we'll do what it takes to, to help people get through that. And Dale, you had some numbers, I think, this week you had emailed all the elders about based on what we were told from RJ, about 660 and about two-thirds already members. One-third of our membership then needs to get through, Lord willing. They'll just say, I'm, I'll join. That's a lot of, of people there, isn't it? Yeah, I, I don't remember the exact numbers, yeah. but uh, it roughly equated to about 22, 22 people a month that needed to attend both of these classes. That's roughly what it would be at. And I don't, I don't know if that's something that is uh, easily doable, uh, depending on how many people sign up and how many people come in and then when we are going to help you. <laughs> so, um, but yeah. But we could feasibly have four new members classes going at the same time at every service. Does that address your question about a system that may break because it's overloaded? Is that what you were asking or did I miss that totally? Satisfied customer. Okay. Just checking on the answers. I want to make sure. He does bring up a point that I want to make sure you're aware of that I didn't mention earlier. Um, when we get to next summer, we're going to take a look at our database again and just ask, okay, of our current members, who's not affirmed? And then we're going to reach out just as hopefully as humble leaders and say, hey, listen, we noticed you haven't affirmed your membership. Is everything all right? Or is there maybe a sticking point somewhere? Or is there a burr in the saddle? Is there something maybe we... There's an offense that we need to know about. So just be aware of that. We want to be really 
attentive shepherds. And so we've agreed beginning next summer to kind of re-examine who's reaffirmed, who hasn't, and then just reach out and humble love and say, hey, just want to make sure you're okay and something you should talk about. So that maybe that even goes to some of that again of like trying to put in place some systems that we, in anticipation of what could maybe occur. So we 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 do have 666 members, so we're kind of interested to see who <laughs> number 666 will be. So yeah. I have my own ideas of who that could be, but we'll see. <laughs> Next question was it right over here? All right. You got to follow that, Denise. RJ's making me stand up, but this question is more on behalf of others because I'm old for Ankeny, I'm old for first family, my kids are older. But I wondered, is there an age of accountability, either physically or spiritually? Is there kind of an order to this? At what point? And I love it that you know kids are included as um, children of members. That you know, like I drug my kids along to everything I was doing. Yeah. You can still do that whether your kid is a member or not. But is there an age? Is there, you know, is baptism going to happen before membership? And you know, is there a logistical aspect to that? Yeah, so as of right now, um, middle school and high schoolers, that's, that's kind of the age of serving. Um, so if your child's in middle school, that's when they begin, can begin to serve in uh, VBS, Sawana, uh, different ministries like that. Uh, and so, yes, um, we would in, are open to and allowing um, middle school and high school students to go through the membership process and to become a member on their own right, or they can serve as long as they are a child of a member. And so that'll be part of the database as well. Um, so they can go through the process, or they can be a child of a, of a member, um, and that allows them to serve. I would, I would couple that with saying that also it's under the umbrella of parental authority. Amen. Becky, do you want to add anything to that? I know you work closely with our family team as the director of our children's ministries. Okay, awesome. So we, we discussed this very topic, and here's where we as elders landed squarely, and that is we do not supersede parental authority. And the father and the mother really are God's uh, authority in that home. So if you feel like, you know what, until my child's 18, they're a member of our church because I'm a member and you're good with that, we're good with that. If you want to give your child a ninth grade the opportunity to join their own, you can do that. Does that make sense? In fact, I think Lana has joined First Amendment on her own. Other folks are like, you know, when my child graduates from high school and she's in college or he's in college, they can make that call then. In other words, that's your call to make. So we'll defer to you and just say, hey, and that's a family's prerogative. If they're a child of a member or a member, they can serve. And that begins in middle school, right, Travis? Okay. I think, though, how we did qualify that, though, is that if you grow up here when you're 18, um, at some point you will need to join on your own. So... If you're 24 years old and have been in first family since you were six years old, um, you'll still show as child of member until you personally make the decision mm -hmm. to come forward and join the church. And of course, on our bylaws, you can't vote until you're 18. So that would, even if you're a child of member, there is a voting age of 18 per the bylaws. So, next question. Yes, right here. My question more goes towards the serving aspect of expectations for members. Um, we look at like the children's ministry and Becky's wonderful and you know those expectations and you know what's needed. But I look at this even as a regular server and a tender of first family and a member that there's so many of these things that I wouldn't know who to go to if I was interested. Like 
say we're interested in the cafe. I don't know who, Okay. you know, would there be a way to group those serving needs together, to even on the website, like contact this person if you're interested? Mm. I think more people would go after this. Amen. Things. That's a great suggestion. RJ, you want to comment on that? That's probably more in your umbrella with just some of the serving logistics. Yes. Yeah. So specific answer to the cafe that does come to me. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, you know, one of the best ways, obviously, uh, on our website, you can go on there and you can see the different ministries, and on there it shows the who leads the ministry. Um, that is something we could put that out as well in, in other ways, you know, social media and things like that when we do have needs. Um, but yeah, I think the website is the best place to go right now to be able to find that. And then after that, you just send an email to the person, um, or you just check a box right now, and it, it automatically sends the email to the office, and then it gets to the right person, and we contact you from there, so... But we'll see if we can bring a little more clarity to even those ministries and who to contact in the right way. And I appreciate really good ideas like that because sometimes when we're so embedded, we don't know what it's like on the other side of the fence. In fact, in that chart we gave you a few weeks ago that listed the ministries and the ideal versus current, remember that? That came from one of our small groups, one of their members just said, hey, could we just get a list of how many in a quantifiable objective way that we have in each ministry, how many we need? And we're like, uh, yeah, that's a great idea, you know? Put it together, and I've received so much good feedback from you guys, like, hey, thanks for just the raw numbers of what we need. And so that's another, just a great idea that sometimes we can overlook the obvious because we think everybody knows what we know, and they're just not as involved in as we are. It's so a great suggestion. Thank you. That's good. I think I have two questions. The first one might be hard to answer, and the second one might be too specific. So if that's how it goes, then that's how it goes. Uh, first one would be, how often do you see us doing the membership affirmation? Is it a one-time thing? Is it every five years, ten years? Elder, anybody want to answer that? I don't... I think initially uh, we're looking at a one-time thing to make sure that all current members understand where they stand and what they believe, the, the things we've talked about already. And then for all new members, they would go through that process um, I think there's value in occasionally having uh, opportunity for people to, uh, to do some kind of affirmation, but I don't think there's a formal process or plan in place for that at this point. I would agree. Scott, you agree with that? I think I'll get you in this somehow. I'll get you to say a word before we leave tonight. You know, you and Edgar, and then let's see. That's the only one I haven't spoken yet. You, I've got to get your word in here at some point. <laughs> Does that help a little bit? Answer your question? Yeah. Okay, good. Uh, second one was sort of a follow-up to the, the one about children. Um, and sort of follow up to that. Let's say you join when you're middle school, maybe you're 12, 13, grow up, go to college, maybe you come back, you're a member, maybe you feel differently about those things. Is there sort of a plan for checking again? You're saying if there's, if someone goes to college. Or, or any, I mean, anywhere. They, I mean, they could go anywhere. They go away for some time, okay. they come back, they're still a member. So technically, the bylaws state that if you've been gone for six months or more, you're not a member. You're an inactive member. We'll probably, and this is what we have done, we'll probably take away that designation because I don't know what an inactive member is. I don't think that exists, actually. So it's probably going to be just if you're gone for a certain amount of time, you are no longer a member. When you come back, you'll need to become a member again. It's probably what will happen. We have not decided that. But I think what you're saying is, will there be an opportunity to revisit, I would say I think there will be. Just don't know the process for that yet. Ed's, I think, going to jump in here too. I think that we, uh, 
haven't um, thoroughly thought that through completely. Mm -hmm. I would say that if a person goes away right out of high school to college, they come back and they want to enter a teaching role or a, a leadership role of some sort, then they would go through the vetting process for that role, which would uh, require some of affirmation of these things. So there would be that kind of process. If they came back and said, well, I just don't believe this stuff anymore. If, if they are bold enough to say that, then we need to just have those conversations to try to bring them, uh, just to put it simply, back to their faith or to give them opportunity uh, to make a choice about whether they'd remain a member or not, uh, which ultimately it, does, it is the choice of the individual whether they uh, decide not to be a member of, of the congregation. But as far as formalizing that at this point, I don't think we've got a we formal process there. Does that help answer the question or at least give you our non-answer to your question? Yeah, just to be honest. Uh, thanks for that observation, though. We'll take, we'll go to 515 and we'll be done. So we'll just take a little and get in. David? All right, this one's for you, Scott. No, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, David. <laughs> no, yeah. I'm, totally, I'm totally kidding. Get him kidding. on the record. <laughs> You're, I'm kidding. If you want to answer it, you can. But um, I, I appreciate what you guys are doing. I think it's needed. And I, I see how it helps with the back end of kind of a, a legal, you know, formal process of, you know, if there are issues, God forbid, that, you know, we, um, you know, need to go through those. I guess I'm struggling a little bit of if this really helps on the front end, just to be honest with you, signing a piece of paper. Um, and so I'm kind of wondering uh, if there's, you know, thought about, I, I would like to see some bolstering of on the front, front end, especially with children's ministry, of, um, you know, just... I don't know whether it's like small group. You need small group uh, leader um, recommendation, uh, elders vis visiting classes, and you know watching uh, our teachers teach kids randomly. Um, I don't know, just just a couple ideas. I don't know if there's been any discussion on more of the front end of how we would prevent things from happening um, that that we none of us want to happen. Yeah. First stab, Scott. Yeah. I, <laughs> I'm sorry, Scott. It was, oh, kind of a, it was a joke. <laughs> I'll get you back somehow. Um, I think the main goal of this was to, to, again, create distinction, create another level of protection for um, children's ministry, especially as one that everybody comes to the top of their mind. You know, I've served there w with you for a long time, and... Um, that's always kind of at the core of our hearts, too. And a lot of the upfront stuff, like Todd said, isn't changing because Becky and Children's Ministry have a, a more extensive process. So this is just kind of the very first gate, and there's a lot of other points. But to your point of is it how are we shepherding once they're even through all the processes? Because with all this, I mean, quite honestly, anybody could lie through their teeth basically through the whole thing and how do we you know keep keep wolves out from amongst the sheep and to your point this really isn't addressing like ongoing it's just kind of the the first gate i would say i guess so i would say david there are some ministries and i'm not sure what they are off the top of my head but there are some that actually ask for other recommendations and references so there is there are more vetting processes remember that note on that sheet this is not the only filter. It's just one of many filters. And some ministries have very extensive processes where that actually occurs. 
Um, second thing is, I might, um, I mean, as humble as I can say this, I, I think this actually does address some front-end stuff. I think the fact that Travis is now writing these things down, and we're not asking for signatures, by the way, but we're just asking that they've checked and read what we believe, what we expect, is actually a huge step on the front end. In the past, it's just been a verbal conversation. And now we're actually saying, here's in writing what we actually are going to hold you to and you hold us to. So in that sense, I don't know if that's what you're referring to. I think it's a pretty big step on the front end, uh, personally. If you want to add to that or not, Travis. I agree. Amen. <laughs> but I do see what you're saying about it's limited to that as well. And uh, I appreciate your concern to make sure that we're not that you're not afraid and you're, you'd follow and support elders. Who say, hey, we want to bring even more meat, maybe some teeth to the protection side. So I appreciate that a lot. Thank you. Yeah. Well, I want us to close yeah. on time. Ed's going to say a word, and then I'll let anybody else want to say anything before we end. I just want to say that um, what David has just done is something that we'd welcome all along. Amen. We started a process moving forward in a direction we believe that the Lord has led, and that will really help us and strengthen who we are in, in the future. But as it begins to function, as you see things, ways to improve it, ways to strengthen it, uh, help us that way. Uh, if you see, you know, ways that uh, it needs to change, we, we're open for uh, being sure that we do the best job. Amen. And so we want that input. Any of you elders want to say anything else before I wrap this up? I would just piggyback off one thing you said about, um, you know, protecting our children really is, is top line security things and it it is something that um, we do have good processes in place but it takes all of us to be involved in that process and that means that if you see something happening that just doesn't set right with you go talk to Becky go talk to Heidi go talk to Jake any one of us up here just say you know what I saw this it may not mean anything but hey I thought I'd mention it there's there's a saying I've um, that we picked up in the last few weeks as we've just been studying through this um, it you know, it, you've heard the saying, it takes a, a village to raise a child. Well, it takes a village to abuse a child, too. And that village has to be looking the other way and ignoring a lot mm. of the signs that are happening. That if you're just paying attention and, you know, again, trust your gut. And it doesn't hurt anything to go up to Becky and say, you know, this may be nothing, but this, this didn't look right to me. <clears throat> and I think all of us can do that, just Amen. to be vigilant. As a church, we want to be a place that when a predator comes in... They look around and they go, wow, this looks risky. I'm going to go down the street to the next place. And that all happens when it, it, we have processes like this in place and the children's ministry have processes they are doing youth ministry. And then we have a vigilant congregation that is just, you know, we love our kids and we have our eyes on them. And again, serving here is a privilege, not a right. Amen. So it's something that we hold very high. Amen. Anyone else? All right. As we wrap up, just stay right there, guys. We'll have Jake, wherever you are. Jake, I just want you to come closer in prayer in a minute. Okay, our new youth director, and love having him on board. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be good. So let me just say this to you. Leadership has its challenges. These are moments when your leaders, your elders, come before you with what we sense God leading, and the best way we know we try to follow that, and we lay that up before you and say, hey, talk with us and, and walk with us. But I... And, I, and Julie can vouch for this. I tend to think following is often harder than leading. It takes a lot of character to follow well. You know that? And in our culture, man, if you don't get your way, if it's not just what you would do, if it's not perfect, it's easy to sit and be an armchair quarterback, criticize, and say, well, I would. And I want you to hear our hearts. We're just doing the best we can 
under God's direction to try to lead our church in a way that we think is helpful in the moment. And can I just ask you to follow well? We're not perfect. We haven't got this down perfectly, but we do sense strongly for the last two years this is a needed moment when you should make some adjustments. I've had to adjust. So I don't think it's anything that we can't do. And I just want to ask you what Chris said. Like, If you've got some real concerns, just have those with us first, would you? Give us that honor and say, hey, here's some things I'm concerned about. Um, and otherwise, let's just try to follow well as we try to lead well. And together, that makes for a church that's focused on unity. Not uniformity, right? But unity for the sake of the mission. Because we can all have our differences, our preferences. Those are actually very good and healthy. But they should be aimed at least at making sure they don't get in the way of the mission. And his mission was to see someone from every nation, language, tribe, and tongue around the throne. Amen? That's what we're after. So um, talk to us. We're here to listen. We want to help. We know that you got hear things differently. We just want to have big ears. Let's do that in the best way possible moving forward. I know you will. Pray for us as we lead. We pray for you as you follow. All right? Great. Can I pray for us? Actually, Jake, I want you to come pray for us. Yeah. I forget easily, don't I? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for wisdom, and we thank you for your word. Lord, we pray that as our leadership and as we pursue you through your word, that you would give us wisdom to lead each other, to lead our families, our church congregation. Thank you for these men and the time that they put forward to do this thoroughly. I know that myself, I appreciate the passion behind the conviction. God, we, we ask that you would protect our church. You protect our children. Lord, we pray that they would all grow up and fall in love with Jesus Christ. And that we'd use our gifts for the glory of God and the souls of men. Thank you for all that you've done. Thank you for the people that came here tonight. Give them safety as they go home. We thank you for these things, and we thank you for your son. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. I guess just hang out for the bullets. I don't sense any bullets coming. I hope not. Yeah.